Thanks for listening to the podcast of Hope Church in East Hampton, Connecticut. Our mission is to love God, love people, and serve the world. To find out more about Hope Church, be sure to check out our website at cthope.com. Well, I like the energy this morning. Good job, man. The singing, the clapping. So grateful for uh, this team who uh, is here every single week practicing so that they can help us worship on a Sunday morning. I think that that's uh, pretty cool. Um, Also, I mean, there's so many people behind the scenes uh, here at Hope. Uh, I just want to give a shout out, but particularly I, I just felt led today for our elders of this church. The elders are the team of of people, there's six of us who, who lead this church, who make the decisions on behalf of this church, who serve others, who are shepherding uh, people here, and I'm just so grateful for all of you. Um, and I, we are going through, a, 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 again, a, a season in the ch- in church world, not just Hope Church, that is very, uh, it's uncharted territory. It's difficult to navigate. Our world has changed quite a lot. And so uh, we would ask for your prayers as we begin, as we, well, not begin, as we continue our process uh, with each other in team of just seeing, okay, what is Hope Church about? Where are we going? How are we doing this? And how are we going to impact? the people around us. And so, elders, thank you so much. So glad and so honored to serve alongside of you. Um, Well, uh, we are in a series called uh, Basic, and uh, we are basically taking this series throughout the summer. We are going back to the very, very beginning. We we are talking about uh, what Christianity 101, really, and what it means uh, to be a Christian. And also, secondly, what it means, why we do certain things the way we do right here at this church. Basically, what we've done is we've taken a class that we've used to teach here for... Uh, people who would become partners or members here, and we would just kind of go through what we believe, why we do the things we do, and we are taking a deep dive into that all summer long. Hey, here's the definition we are working off of. Basic says, forming an essential foundation or starting point. Fundamental, the essential facts or principles of a subject or skill. So that's what we're doing. We're going right back to the beginning. We're going basic Christianity 101. This is week four, and I'm going to talk about everyone's favorite subject today, giving and serving. Are you with me? We're going to have a good time, I promise. I brought a prop with me this morning. I've had a long-standing relationship with toilets. And it's my duty to tell you about it. I hope this is not a crappy sermon. If it is, you could just wipe it from your memory. It's all good. Okay, never mind. So I want to tell you why I have a toilet on the stage. I'm guessing maybe this is one of the first times and maybe only times you'll ever see a toilet on the stage. But it's important for me to tell you what this has to do with my spiritual journey and how this connects at all to giving and serving. So 
let me take you back to my childhood. Um, you know, did not come from a lot. My parents worked very, very hard. And, um, and so sometimes, you know, when times got tough, they would have to get, pick up extra jobs. And so um, one of them was, I remember my dad, who was the hardest person, I, you know, hardest working person I ever met in my entire life. Um, for, for a while, he held a job as a janitor at a gym. So people would work out all day, they go home, the gym closes up, and he would go in after working all day, and he would go to the gym, and he would clean that gym throughout the night. Uh, alternatively, my mom, uh, for a while, had a job as um, a house cleaner. And so she had a, a couple of clients, and she would go, and again, we were young, so uh, oftentimes she would bring her kids with her, and we actually helped out somewhat. And so uh, they were both um, very adept at cleaning other people's messes, including the toilets. But there's another uh, piece of this as well. I remember as a kid at our church, another job that they picked up was being the church janitor. Now, that was really fun because it's a big building. There's lots going on, right? And then everybody goes, and you get to kind of run through the building and have fun with that. But we had to come in every single time. Well, most every single time, they had one or two or three or all six of us with them cleaning the church. I got very good at cleaning toilets. It was my job. It was my role. It was my duty. By the way, side note, parents, if you want to be able to teach your kids and you're having a hard time, I'm going to do class 101 of how to clean a toilet right after the service today. Just bring them forward. I, I got you on this. I got you. Uh, that includes my kids. Um, so uh, lo and behold, um, this was kind of the job, the responsibility that we had, and we were there at least once a week, I think twice a week at the church. So I go to college, and um, I needed financial assistance, obviously, and one of the things that I was able to do was secure a job on campus. And I think you know where this is going. I got assigned the job of cleaning bathrooms. Yes, I did. But it gets worse because they gave me the facility that was right next to the soccer field, like the whole outdoor sports complex. So thousands of people would go through a week and they would use these bathrooms exclusively. And this was my job. And I'm gonna say this for the record too, you could debate it afterwards. Women's bathrooms are way worse than guys' bathrooms. I'm just telling you, take it from someone who knows, all right? And so all of my life, or at least a big portion of my life, I had the responsibility of cleaning toilets. Now, I know that's not a glorified uh, position that we strive for, but I'll come back to why I believe that was important in my journey. I have one more story, and I meant to bring a tie, and I forgot. So I have this other longstanding relationship with ties. I almost dressed up for you today, but I decided it would, be, uh, it would kind of undercut the actual lesson that I wanted to share because I've actually sworn off ties as much as I possibly could for the rest of my life. Now, I did wear one this week because I did a wedding, 
I have a wedding in a couple weeks. I'll have to wear one again. But, but, low, but largely, I try to avoid ties. And you say, why, Tom? Why? Well, it's because when I was in school, my, my parents, I think part of the reason why they worked so hard is they put us through Christian school. And in our school, even as an elementary kid, I had to wear a tie every single day to school. Then when I went to college, I went to a Christian college, and at the time, they also made me wear a tie every day to class. So for this huge part of my life, basically from like fifth grade through senior in college, I wore ties about 75% of the days of my life. I mean, seriously, like, so after I was done, I was done. But I remember in college, you know, of course, you up your game because you got to look good and people, you know, it becomes kind of like this thing where, uh, you know, you're, you're evaluating what you look like. And people would borrow each other's clothes all the time. And, uh, you know, you're in, I'm in a room, uh, a hallway full of guys, and, of course, I have a couple roommates as well. And it was just kind of like commonplace for someone to kind of go in your closet door, take out a tie if they liked it, and put it on and use it for themselves that day. And I can't tell you why, but it really, really bugged me. It was like this thing, it's like, oh, why are they taking my stuff? That's mine. I've worked for that. Or that's just kind of my style. I want people to, like, you know, creeping on my style, whatever it might be. It was this weird thing that I started noticing. Like, Tom, what is the matter with you? That seems childish and silly. And again, I, I know none of you have these issues. That was just my thing. And I realized there was a problem going inside, uh, going on inside of me. I had this tension inside of me. I, I was not one who loved to give and to share. And as I lead into my message today, um, these will pop back up as a part of why I think this is so important, because we're talking about two basic beliefs in the church, giving and serving, that are, all Christians are called to. Now, I've been excited to speak today, not just because I could bring a toilet on the stage, but because I really love to talk about this. And I know the church gets a bad rep because, you know, some people, and again, sometimes uh, justifiably so, say all the church wants is your money. All they care about, you know, is themselves. I, I, I get that. But I promise if you give me a little bit of your heart and your attention this morning, I hope that that's not the way it comes off. I know, uh, which uh, giving and serving, they're like cousin ideas. I call them cousins. They, they, they bring up fear and anxiety and even loathing sometimes when we think about it. But when I look at Scripture, this is one of the most basic concepts that every single Christian is called to. I can safely say it's one of the most basic topics in all of the Bible. It was the very heart of Jesus' ministry. And we have example after example after example to look at in the Scripture. And we are going to look at a few this morning. So I'm excited to speak on it because it's really easy. You don't have to dig very far to be able to talk about this. Second, here's what I believe. If we can get these basic principles into our lives, into our hearts, I actually believe it can change the world. I'm going to say that again. If we can get the principle 
of serving and giving deep into our hearts, it can literally, literally change the world. So in order to uh, talk about this, I want to go back to the very first church. The very first church. We find this in a book of the Bible called Acts. And if you're following along, and you could certainly follow along online, we have notes. We're going to Acts chapter 2, and I'm going to read a portion of that in a second, but let me set it up first. Jesus had come to the earth. He had done his ministry on this earth. He started to gain a following of people, men, women, children, and he brought a new way into the world. And so now he, he, he dies on the cross, he raises from the dead, he ascends into heaven, and now there's a small band of people who are followers of the way. And we are going to look at this group of people we're commonly known as the disciples. And I actually talked about this a couple weeks ago when I talked about what it means to be a Christian. There's this guy named Peter. We got two famous, really famous New Testament people, Peter and Paul. We've talked a lot about Paul this year. I'm going to talk about Peter. Peter gives this message. And this is one of the messages that we, we pick up on right at the very end. He tells everyone in the crowd, and there was a lot of people. The Bible tells us about 3,000 people there. And he tells them about the way of Jesus. This is a brand new thing. This is revolutionizing the world. And this is where we're going to pick it up in Acts chapter 2, verse 41. Follow along with me. It'll be on the screen. He called them to believe in this Jesus. And he says, those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day. About 3,000 in all. Let's keep reading. All the believers... All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. Pause for a second. That sounds a whole lot like what we're doing in the church these days. We gather together. We hear teaching. We encourage each other. We fellowship. We share in our meals. With, we pray, all that kind of thing. Okay? Verse 43, a deep sense of awe came over them all, and the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders. You see their interaction with other people here. Verse 44, and all the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they have. Look at that. They served each other. And they gave. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They served each other and they gave. They worshiped together at the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper and they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. No, they served each other and they gave. All the while praising God, and I love this part, and enjoying the goodwill of the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. They served each other, and they gave. And what happened? All the people. By the way, note, not just believers. All the people noticed it. All the people felt the love <laughs> They felt that something was different. Something was different about those people that called themselves followers of the way, these Christians. And what happened as a result of it? 
people started to trust in Jesus. It literally changed people's lives because of the way these earliest people, this is the very first mention of the church, by the way, about the way they lived their lives so differently, kind of against the natural order of the world in that time and honestly today as well. The actions of loving through giving and serving brought joy to people's hearts. It, it raised a level of trust in people that they had not seen or experienced before. And it paved the way for people to experience the love and the grace of this new message, of this new way of Jesus himself. It literally, it literally changed the world. And the rest of the book of Acts and the rest of the Bible, quite frankly, show how that plays out. In fact, Peter, he actually writes a book, uh, several books after Acts. He writes another book and he says uh, um, something. Uh, he goes on to encourage people in the book of First Peter that living your life in this way is a testimony of faith in God and love for people so that people who aren't followers can't help but see that and be drawn to God. This is the words that he writes in First Peter. This is radical. This is Christianity 101. And for generations upon generations, Christians have lived radically in the world and have changed it from the inside out. And so, I have three points I want to make about this, and I just preached my first one. Number one, we give and serve we give and serve because it's the earliest model of the church that we have. If you're taking notes, write that down. We give and serve because it was the earliest model of the church. And the early believers did it not out of duty. Like me, when I had to clean toilets when I was a kid and through college, it was my job. It was just something that came along with the territory. I had to do it. And that was my whole job with giving and serving Got to do it. But they didn't do it out of duty. They did it out of love. And they modeled that. It was central to the first church. But there's a second reason why giving and serving is so important. We give and we serve because it was the model of Jesus himself. We give and we serve because it was the model of Christ. In a passage that I think best sums this up for me is the first one I thought of and I wanted to share it. We find it in Matthew chapter 20, verses 25 through 28. I'm only going to share the last verse on the screen, so let me set this up for you. It says, Jesus called them together and said, this is his disciples, the same group of people now. He goes, you know that the rulers in this world lord it over people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you, it's going to be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to first be among you, uh, whoever wants to, to be first among you must become your slave. And here's the verse I want us all to get in our heads. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life a ransom for many. The model that we have of Jesus was to give and to serve. I mean, he cuts right to the point. Jesus' whole mission on earth was to give and to serve. To give and to serve. And over and over again, 
He, the way he lived his life, the way he modeled for his disciples, this was brought up over and over and over again. So I want to fast forward a little bit. They're taking, you know, their journey, Jesus' time on earth is almost done. And this holiday, the most important holiday on the Jewish calendar, Passover, was coming up. And the disciples and Jesus had plans to get together. Now, they didn't know what was coming, but Jesus did. Jesus knew that this was going to be the last meal that they shared together. And so we find them in the upper room of this house. And as Jesus is making his way up the stairs, I want you to put this mental image in your head. This is what begins to happen. This is what he begins to hear. Luke chapter 22, verse 23 through 27. The disciples began to ask each other, which of them would ever betray Jesus? Because, you know, there was this word that someone was going to betray Jesus. They were going to sell him out some way. And then they began to argue among themselves about who would be the greatest among them. Okay, I'm going to pause here for a second. I want you to picture this. Jesus knows that this is going to be his last time with his people. He's got this idea in his head, this is going to be this wonderful, beautiful time of fellowship and friendship and love and final instruction and hugs and all that kind of stuff. And he walks into a room full of grown people bickering about who is greater than the other. Reminds me of a story. I, uh, we went on vacation last year. Uh, and it was, a really, it was a vacation we were really excited about, and we wanted to make really special for our kids. And so we uh, decided to go out west, and we were going to uh, visit national parks and whatever, and we were staying in Vegas, and we would kind of go out each day and go to a different part of that country. Our, f- our favorite was Death Valley by far. If you have not gone there, you should try it out sometime. But as my wife and I were talking, you know, we knew we had, um, we had skipped our vacation year before because of COVID and whatever, and we really kind of had this thing built up in our minds. We wanted to make this really special. Again, we're picturing this wonderful, beautiful time with our family, and so we decided we're going to do something special, and we are going to rent a convertible. I mean, what's better than getting in a convertible, driving with the wind in your hair, through the sunshine, out in the desert? Come on. It does not get better than that. And so we get into the airport, we get uh, to our car, it's about 9 o'clock at night, we, uh, we go to the, the, the window there, and they're like, yep, your car is in such and such aisle, whatever, and our kids did not know about this. And so we go to the car, and there is the beautiful Mustang 5.0 sitting right there. Our kids are like, wow, that's pretty cool. Except, here's the problem, we had lots of luggage, and we didn't factor that into, like, the transport. Now, thankfully, it was only five minutes away, so we put as much luggage we could in that trunk, and like, well, kids, take the back seat, and we'll pile the rest of the luggage on you. Like, okay, you know, it's only five minutes. We put the top down. By the way, because if you have a convertible, you always drive with the top down. I don't care what the temperature or what the weather is. So, see, we did that, and so we began on our journeys, and here was the problem. We had this great, wonderful picture, at least I did, in my head about how beautiful and wonderful this was going to be as a family, except By the middle of the first day, they're like, put up the window. Put up the top. All the wind is in my face. Oh, it's too hot. Ah. 
And so this wonderful vacation that we had planned together was just ruined by all of the bickering. And I love my children so much, but, but it was just one of those things when I saw that, you know, Jesus is coming. They're all just, he wants this happy time. They're just arguing with each other. Oh, that, that was going a different way in my head, you know. So he says, in this world, kings and great men lord it over their people, and yet they're called friends of the people. But among you, it will be different. Sound familiar? He just said this a couple weeks earlier. Those who are the greatest among you should take the lowest rank, and the leader should be like a servant. Who is more important, the one who sits at the table or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. I am among you as the one who serves. They had another moment in some of the last final days of Jesus' life where he says, wait, you're not getting it. It's not about you. It's about giving and serving and sharing and loving on other people. That's the difference. That's basic Christianity 101. That's the difference that you need to make in the world. And in that same interaction, that same night, the book of John, chapter 13, starting in verse 4, he says, So Jesus got up from the table. He took off his robe. He wrapped a towel around his waist, and he poured water into a basin. And then he began to wash the disciples' disgusting, dirty, calloused, stinky feet drying them with the towel he had around him. And after washing their feet, he put on his robe again, and he sat down and asked, do you understand what I'm doing? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right. That's what I am. And since I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. I've given you an example to follow. Do as I have done to you. I tell you the truth. Slaves are not greater than their master, nor is the messenger more important than the one who sends the message. Now that you know these things, God will bless you for doing them. Listen, there is blessing. I don't know all of how that looks for every person. But when we give and serve out of the heart that God has put in us, there is something on the other side that is beyond blessing. Following Jesus, listen, being a disciple requires that we give up. Christianity is a religion about giving up. It's about willful surrender. But if these two reasons weren't enough, that the, the, the early church modeled it and that Jesus modeled it himself, I think there's still another reason why we give and serve. It helps us, and I think helps us get to the bottom why Jesus felt so strongly about this. Number three, we give and serve because it's the very best thing that we can do for our hearts. It's the very best thing that we can do for our own hearts. You see, in its most basic form, giving and serving is about we, the collective whole. Not about me, about we. It's not the building of our personal kingdoms, but it's about building God's kingdom. And when we can tear down the kingdoms we've built for ourselves, it's then and only then that we can truly say we're following Jesus. Now let me say that in because that's a strong statement. When we can tear down the kingdoms we have built for ourselves, 
It's only then that we can say we are truly, fully following Jesus. And it's incredibly hard to get your mind around this, I know. Incredibly difficult. You have to retrain your brain. Why? Because here in our day, in our culture, in our time, and honestly, even then too, we are trained to consume, not to contribute. All the messages that we ever hear in the outside world leans into the idea of consuming, not contributing. Think about it. Think about it. Now, I had the privilege of marrying my friend last week. That was one of the reasons why I wasn't here last Sunday. And I have more weddings coming up in the next couple weeks. And uh, basically, when I do a wedding, I have one basic message that I'll tweak or whatever. And, you know, part of that is want to pass along maybe some things that I've learned in my life, you know, all of the wisdom that I've obtained. But one of them is this. I tell each couple that marriage has to be about giving. It has to be about giving. And if they don't know how to be a giver, chances are that marriage is going to be tough. It's going to be on the rocks. And when we begin to give, we begin to realize something. Something different happens inside of us. We realize, because we always say, hey, when I give, it's for somebody else, it's for another call, whatever. No, no, I don't believe that anymore. I think one of the things that was incredible about Jesus' teaching was that when we give, something changes in our hearts. We might not be able to put a finger on it, but something changes in our hearts. By the way, that's why I'm talking about the tie. I had to decide, you know what? I'm being selfish. And I know, I know, silly example, I get it. But I was being selfish. I did not have a giving heart. I did not have a sharing heart. And when I gave that, I'm like, go ahead, have what I want. I began to see something change inside of me. It completely changed my idea about giving and about serving, honestly. I heard someone say recently, act your way into a new way of thinking instead of think your way into a new way of acting. In other words, I had to actually do the thing before it started to change me from the inside out. And you say, Tom, that's, you know, really kind of a drastic thing. Well, I will say this. In the last book of the Old Testament, Malachi, it's one that we don't really read much. We kind of skip over. God says something really important, you see, because his people started getting away from that whole mentality again of giving and serving. God's whole kingdom is built on giving and serving. I've already said that. But the Israelites, they got away from that. They got into bad habits. They became, became selfish, really me-centered and he goes, you know what? All of you people, you're not even bringing your gifts anymore. You're not bringing them to the, to the temple. You're not bringing them to the church. You're holding on to them for yourself because you think they're better served that way. He goes, but let me tell you this. And I think this is a fascinating piece of scripture because I don't see it anywhere else in the Bible. He goes, test me. Test me. He says, start to give and then test me out on this. You don't think... Something good is going to happen. He goes, this is what exactly he says. Test me in this. He says, I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Listen, this is Christianity 101. This is basic Christian 
thinking about giving and serving. It's not about the job of cleaning the toilet. It's about giving up. There have been times, and I I hesitated whether I should share this or not. There have been times I've been in here cleaning toilets. But I'm not doing it because the job really needed to get done because we have a janitor. Or I'm not doing it, you know, for people to look. Honestly, I've done it because I've been an upfront person here so long. And I'm like, God, sometimes I could just get in the way. I just want to serve you. And the best way I could do is to give you that. Someone came here this week and just decided, you know what? The church needs to be cleaned up outside. I'm going to give up my time, my energy, my space. And I'm going to go do it. No one asked them to do it. They just did it. That's the heart of giving and serving. I know I'm going a little long. I'm going to wrap up here with just a couple final thoughts. We do have a problem when it comes to giving and serving. Do we not? I'm going to name three that are in my brain. We live, first of all, I've already mentioned it, in a world that is focused on consumption for me. We live in a world that is focused on consumption for me. We rarely understand the concept of we anymore. We don't think about others. We think about ourselves first. We think about taking and banking before we think about giving and serving. We think about status and ranking before we think about giving and serving. But I honestly believe that the best thing for our hearts is to give and to serve generously. And it's going to take changing our minds. Number two, we've misunderstood what actually is best for us. I'm just restating what I just did, what I just said. We misunderstood what is actually best for us. The best thing for us is that we learn to give out of the abundance that God has given to us, both with our money and with our time and our talents. I cannot tell you how many conversations I have had with people in the church over the years. I've been in church world for 25 years. And I know every situation is different. But listen, we can't get off by saying, well, I can't give, but I can serve. Or I can serve, but I can't give. Well, however that works, listen, both are expressions of our heart. And we do the best that we can. There is no substitute for that. It's counterintuitive, but I promise it will change everything in your world around you. And finally, we are, here's another problem. And you can discuss this. We are physically, emotionally, and spiritually depleted people. We are physically, I'm going to say it again, emotionally and spiritually depleted people. If there's anything that I have observed over the last three years is that we, that has gotten worse and not better. We are physically, emotionally, and spiritually depleted so much so that we're too tired or we just don't even know what to do next. I mean, for crying out loud at the beginning of the pandemic, we couldn't get toilet paper. Because we're just like, no, I can't, what if, what if, what if, we're scared. You know what I'm saying? That's emotionally exhausting and draining. I heard someone say this week that we, and I think I agree with this, we have gone through a global trauma 
over the last few years. And that's why I think it's so difficult for us to get our heads around what it really means to give and to serve. Life has taken a toll on us. We're not just tired, we're depleted. We need to be refilled. What I'm saying is, I think we're more depleted than we've ever been before. And now is the time to recognize that and to make some changes in our habits and in our perspective so that we can get back to the basics with vigor. I promise you, go clean a toilet for your own heart. Go serve for your own heart. When we ask for money, when a church asks for money, I'm going to tell you right now, it's very uncomfortable. I know that a lot of pastors avoid it. I know we're afraid to hear it. We get really uncomfortable in our seats when they talk about it. I'm telling you where I'm coming from, I believe it changes your heart. It's not because God needs it or the church needs it. Because it's best for you. I want it for you. We shouldn't, if we have this mindset, get up here and have to beg for volunteers. If we had this mindset, we would have lines of people volunteering with our kids who were awesome because they were up here today for the first part. I didn't know they were going to do that. In our nursery, as an usher, greeter, on our hospitality team, as people who do local and global outreach on our GLOW team, on this stage in some capacity, we're not begging for warm bodies, by the way, either. You'll never hear that from me. We want this for you because we're here to serve others. Too much of the church has been about consumption. What do I like? How's the music? How's the message? Again, all that's important, but we're missing the we. We're missing how we serve each other as a community in this place. So I'm excited to talk about it. I'm excited to bring a toilet on this stage. And I hope it sticks with you. And I want to encourage you to say, you know what? I need to do a better job. I can't be like stubborn Tom. Wouldn't give up his tie. Let's pray. God, thank you for this time. I thank you for this uh, church. I thank you for these people. I look out and I see the faces and I'm just so grateful and I'm humbled that you've brought every single person in this room here for this time and this season and this way. Maybe it's just a one-time thing. That's okay. God, I hope it, it touches their heart. I hope they're encouraged. I hope they're spurred on to be a giver and a server. Lord, I pray for this church that we would never get to the place where we have to beg people to serve and to give. God, that it would just flow from our heart attitude that you have been teaching for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. We love you and we're going to do the best we can to serve you well this week. In Jesus' name, amen.